Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today, if you have your Bibles open, we'll be in Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. The title of this sermon is, From the Mire to the Fire, Where Are You in the Potter's House? This is special guest, Kevin Robbins, This is special guest Kevin Robbins with the second half and conclusion of this two-part study. I'm definitely there sometimes where I'm constantly thinking about work even when I'm not there and that's not a good thing. You have to be able to separate it Um, or actually I probably should say uh, pull that into the center with God and let God control work and you don't have to worry about it. Just give it to Him. Social media status. You know, this is not really me. I don't give a dang about social media that much. But I know to younger people that it matters the way that they portray themselves to the world. And they don't, you know, it's funny. What was it? Court was saying to me, hey, I was in Walmart. And I was saying, you know, this and that. And my kids are like, Dad, we're in Walmart. Like, stop. People are looking. But I think you get to a certain point where you just don't care. And that's really where you should be. It doesn't matter. It matters what where you are with God. It doesn't matter where you are with man. Uh, You want to be an example, but if you're centered with Christ, then you're going to be that example to other people. That's what's going to, that's what's going to happen. It could be darker habits. It could be, could be drugs, could be pornography. Those things pull you definitely from the center. So how do you become centered? How do you stay centered? Uh, Matthew 22, 34 through 37 tells us, Jesus actually himself tells us, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest of the first commandments. And the reason why is because that's what keeps you centered. The heart is your time, your talent, your treasure. Um, you know, the, the word tells us that a heart, the heart of man is deceitful. It will tell you things. And you'll think, man, my heart, I still feel this way. Or I, my heart this, my heart that. And we follow that. And uh, you can't. You've got to give that to God and let God control your heart. Give him your time, give him your talent, give him your treasure and pray about it and he'll give you direction. You don't have to get it from yourself what you believe in your heart. Your soul, because that's your will. We are given free will. When we give that over to God, we follow his will. 
Your own will can get you in trouble. We're not slaves, and God didn't create us to be that way. And that's probably one of the most beautiful things about it. But it's also one of the scariest parts because we're really good at messing things up. Um, your mind, because your thoughts, your actions, they all, all, everything begins in the mind. And we need to give that over to God so he can help us to control our thoughts and our actions. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and that will keep you centered. So crying out to God is the beginning of getting out of the pit, the beginning of transformation. Uh, you can't be shaped in a pit. It isn't until God picks you up out of that pit, places you, centers you in him, in himself, uh, on himself, so he can, he can fashion you, he can work on you, places you in a new setting, uh, on a rock, on the wheel. So think about that. You have the mire, which is boggy, swampy, is not very solid, but the rock of God is. The rock of Christ is solid, and that's where he's trying to put you. He has to put the mud on the rock so it can be formed. You can't go on living your old life and expect to be centered in Christ. So in Philip Keller's story and in the passage in Jeremiah, the potter goes on to shape the clay. Uh, we know that it's marred. Uh, we know that it, uh, we know in the, in Jeremiah that it gets smashed down and reshaped, uh, made into something beautiful. But I think what's the point here is where God is crying, begging for us to be at the center of the wheel so he can shape you. So we don't let the things of ourselves get in the way or outside influences get in the way. And he's practically, well, he is, he's begging. It's not practical, he's begging you and pleading with you. The same as Jeremiah cries. Jeremiah was uh, a lot like Jesus, so much so that when Jesus said, well, who do the people say that I am? And some people said, well, some people say you're Jeremiah, that you've come back, you know, Jeremiah's come back and you're him. And what, what, a, uh, what a nice ribbon to place on Jeremiah that people say, wow, you are so much like Christ that now that he is actually walking the earth as man and God, that they get confused between the two. So God wants to make something beautiful out of us. Uh, in the story, Philip Keller shows us that, or tells us that there's, uh, when he's watching this potter, there's a bowl of water here and a bowl of water on his, on his right and his left. And as he's fashioning the clay, he, before he touches it, he puts his hands in the water. He doesn't ever touch the clay unless his hands are moist with that water. Um, so he dips his hands in, and then his hands are never dry. He never touches the clay except through the medium of the water. So when God deals with you or me, he does so through the medium of the word. And that was the representation there. His hand is upon you, his hand is upon me, but it's never upon us, and it's only upon us through the medium of the word. So God molds us and shapes us by virtue of the word of God applied to our life. So there's another place that you can be in the potter's house, and it's possible that you've already been mostly shaped, um, that you're, you know, something beautiful that God made for, for him, but you, but, you know, again, we have free will. And we always we don't always stay centered. Uh, you can end up on the shelf, and I'm really only speaking to a Christian here. Um, 
uh, you know, a, list, a listener of Charles Stanley wrote him a letter once and said to him, she said, in one of your sermons, you mentioned being put on the shelf. What exactly does that mean? How does it happen? And if a child of God ever gets put on the shelf, will he someday take them off? And Dr. Sandley said, look, to be put on the shelf, it means God ceases to use that person. It's not because of him, it's because of that person. Sometimes it's for a period of time, and sometimes it's for the rest of their life. So when you choose to continuously be disobedient and remain in sin, God simply lets you put yourself on the shelf, and you're not being used. You know, sometimes we see this happen to brothers and sisters. We, you know, we see them on fire for God. We see them just, you know, burning, wanting to tell everybody, there's a guy at my work, uh, a warehouseman, and he was, he was kind of a, a wild guy, an alcoholic for sure, and not a nice alcoholic, um, fighting with his wife, and uh, he was, she kicked him out of the house one, one Wednesday evening, and he's, he's like, man, I'm just driving around, he's close to work, and there happened to be a church, and something told him, go in there, this is not that long ago, uh, so he did, and he heard, and he heard the message he needed to hear. And he gave his life to Christ. Um, actually, it was a Sunday night because he came to me. He was talking to me about it. He was so happy. He was telling everybody. And people were like, Eddie, really? <laughs> this guy? You know, but there were changes being made. He, uh, he was in the mire, and he knew he was in the mire. He yielded. He listened to God. Uh, he heard God's word, and God picked him up and put him on the wheel. And I love that because even when I'm talking to Eddie, I'm like, man, that fire, he gets me with it sometimes. He's asking me for advice. I'm like, man, this guy, he's the one on fire, you know, and you get to hear them and you just love it. And you take something away from me. He calls me for advice, and I give him, you know, whatever advice God puts on my heart to give him, and I hang up and I'm thinking about myself. Like, wow, I need to, I need to use that application. Maybe that's what that phone call was about. But it's amazing how God uses those people and we see them on fire. But sometimes it disappears and that fire starts to burn out. Because some sin in their life, some deliberate, willful act of disobedience pulled them away and put that fire out. And you put yourself on the shelf when that happens. So there, there are grave consequences to being shelved. Um, consequences to yourself because you're not centered with Christ. And now, you know, you're, you're not praying for God's protection. You're not seeking God. You're not seeking God's guidance. You're doing everything on your own. And the world will eat you up. You might even be thinking you're having a blast in the world. And, and you're going to find out pretty quick that it's not where you need to be. I know this happens. I mean, we look at people like uh, Robin Williams or Kate Spade, I think, same thing. They had everything, power, money, success, and they killed themselves. They went home, and they saw how empty they were, and they didn't yield to God. I'm sure God reached out to them many times. He does that to us. If you look around, you look at, look at the stars in the heaven, you see God. He's there, and he's saying, I'm here. And they don't pay attention to that, and they sink into that despair, and they die. Well, the Christian 
if you let that fire die, you know, you're hurting yourself, but oftentimes you're hurting the people that are your own loved ones. You're not even thinking about that. Sin is funny because I'm sure other, somebody else has described it like this, but you think even that small sin that you throw is a little pebble into a still pool and then it ripples out. It doesn't just affect you. It doesn't just sink you. It pulls everybody else in because they feel the effects. And who knows how long that sin is going to go and hurt other people. So the shelf isn't a place to be, and the consequences of the kingdom of God are also affected. Because you're a Christian, and you probably said that when you're on fire, and you let that fire die, and now you throw yourself back into the world, and people use that against you. And what it does is, you know, that potter's name is on the vessel that he made. God's reputation is at stake. And when you're a Christian, you carry the reputation of Christ. So you have to think about how you behave, how you act constantly. So what is the fire? You know, it's a difficult time in your life. It could be a death. You know, I mentioned the death of my brother. It was definitely hard. Um, it could be a divorce. It could be you're headed for a divorce. You know, it could be the loss of a job. You know, the world in chaos. This passage really, you could use it for just about anything right now. You look around the world and, and you see how chaotic the entire world is. But I really wanted to put a little focus on it and bring it, you know, you can go to your community, you can go to your house, you can go to you. And when you, when you bring that, that target all the way in, it centers on you and your relationship with Christ. And if you turn that around, you see how that relationship affects your house, affects your community affects the world around you and gives some kind of direction from Christ to a chaotic house, a chaotic community, a chaotic world. Um, so the fire is, can be tough. The fire is important because we're all going to go through the fire. Um, all of us. It's, it's important. Um, maybe it's none of those things that's the fire around you. Uh, what about servants of God? You know, you're, you're basically asking to be put into a fire because everybody brings all of their issues to you because you don't have any, right? Because you got it all together. You don't have arguments and fights with your spouse. You don't have financial problems. You don't have car problems. You don't have problems at work. You don't have any issues with your own immediate family that you wish you could resolve. That's a lie. Of course, they have all those issues. And they're having to deal with that, and they're staying centered and letting God handle those issues. And what we, what, that's why we see them so solid. But it can be hard. Sometimes in that fire, you can get burned out. And we see that happen to uh, worship leaders. We see that happen to pastors, youth pastors. We see it happen to all of them. You know, instead of uh, feeling the fire that I'm going to read to you right now, they feel burned out. Uh, Matthew 3.11 says, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And what does that mean? I think a lot of people can get confused by that. Um, that is not the fire of the pressures around you. Um, that fire represents God's presence, God's power, 
God's cleansing, God's transformation. Um, God doesn't want you to feel burned out. So if you're a servant and you get to that point, or you feel like you're there, then the burn he wants you to feel is the burning sensation of God's power in your life. When, when you first got saved and you were on fire and you had that cleansing because you, you just gave it all to God and said, hey, I'm a sinner, take it from me. And you let that transformation begin. The fire of transformation, God's cleansing, God's power. And finally, uh, there's an action and a point that goes along with each of these areas of the potter's house. So if you're in the fire, I'm going to take them a little backwards. The action is you need to keep the faith. You need to remain faithful. God will see you through whatever that is. And if you're choosing to be in the fire because you're such a servant of God, then you know your heart, your mind, your soul need to constantly be given over to God. So people that are in the fire and don't know what to do see you and know how to handle it. Um, if you're on the shelf, Chronicles, excuse me, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Let me. Sorry about that. I marked too many. Here it goes. Says, if my people who are called by my name, remember we were speaking to Christians when we were saying you're put on the shelf. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. So yes, you can be taken off the shelf. Um, but it requires you to pray, seek God, turn from your ways, give it all back to God and he's going to put you right back on that wheel and work with you. And make you into something beautiful. Maybe even remake you. Um, so those are the actions that you need to do if you're on the shelf. If you're on the potter's wheel, you need to remain centered. Love God with all your heart, your mind. Remain submissive to the touch of God's hand on your life. Um, where we run into problems is when God's pushing us this way or that. And, and we're just, we don't want to do it. For whatever reason, we're, we're pushing back. And that is not going to create the shape that God wants to put on you. So you need to remain centered and yielding to God's touch. And finally, if you're in the mire, if you're in the mire, you're a non-believer, you're a sinner. Um, and what you need to do is repent for your sins and invite Christ Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. Um, <clears throat> and you'll go from, from the mire to the wheel. If you're a Christian... And you feel like or you think you're in the mire, you're wrong. You're not. You're not in the mire anymore. You're in the fire. And you need to do what you're supposed to do in the fire. It can feel a lot like you're in the mire. I'm going to tell you that. You can feel like you're surrounded. You can feel like there's darkness all around you. But you have to remember you're a child of God. You're not in the fire. I mean, you're not in the mire. You're in the fire. So remain faithful. Remain centered. Trust God that there's a reason for these things these, the, that put you into the fire, whatever that might be. So those are the actions for, for each place inside the potter's house. And I think one of the most important, point, important points to, that they all share is, you know, you think back to uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. On a side note, when I was a kid 
And the pastor first said that, I thought he said Shadrach, Meshach, and a billy goat. And I went home talking to mom and dad about it, but and they never let me forget. But it's a bednego, not a billy goat. So we're all thrown into the fire the same way. Those three, because of their faith, because they refused to bow down to an image of uh, Nebuchadnezzar II. And because they did, as an example, he thought of his power, Nebuchadnezzar, I'm going to throw you into this furnace. And that fire was so hot, the Bible tells us, that the servants who threw those three men inside of the fire died from the licking from the fire and the heat that was coming out of that door. And But there was no screaming, there was no yelling, there was, no, there was nothing. And Nebuchadnezzar was wondering what was going on, and when he looked in, he didn't see just three people, he saw four. And the fourth person was God, walking with his servants, with his children. So God is in the fire. You're not alone. They're not alone. So God was and is in the fire. God is, can come to the shelf. If you're on the shelf and you repent, well, God's going to invite you back into and be happy, I'm sure, that he can shape you and remake you and put you to work again for him. Uh, of course God is with you on the will. That is where we need to be centered on the will, being shaped by God, listening to God, yielding to God, praying, being in God's word, so God can form us to what he sees fit into something valuable. Um, God is also in the mire. And this is why the mire is not hell. God is not in hell, and he won't be in hell. The mire might feel like that, but God will come to you in the mire. If you're a non-believer and you call out for forgiveness and repentance and you admit that you're a sinner and you give your life over to Christ and make him the Lord of your life, then he's going to come down into the mire for you and with you, and he's going to put you back on that rock. Um, Charles Spurgeon, when he gave his, his sermon on, on this uh, Jeremiah 18, he said something I really liked and was really, I mean, I listened to the whole thing or read the whole thing, but uh, he said one sentence that I thought was just beautiful, and he said, pearls lie in the deep. I think a lot of times when, when uh, even as a Christian, you might feel worthless, and you're not. You're God's pearl, the same as uh, Spurgeon said. So if you don't know you are a pearl, I'm going to remind you that uh, when God shapes you, when God makes you, He's going to bring that beauty out in you and make you something that's that's valuable, that has worth, that's beautiful in his image. Um, I guess I have a couple more minutes, so I'll, I'll go ahead and throw it to it. Um, so another sermon I was listening to mentioned the potter's field. And sometimes when you're going through the fire or the, this clay is being fired, it becomes broken. Um, when that happens, you, you, really the potter on earth can't do anything with it. And what happened then was, uh, I mean, you, you can do nothing. It's pieces of, of uh, hardened clay. He can't reshape it. He can't put it back together. He's not going to glue it and sell it. We might add our own house. But uh, that's not what the potter does here on earth. He takes those pieces and he throws them out into what was called the potter's field. And usually behind the, the potter's house, the potter's shop, was a field filled with broken pieces of pottery 
And uh, in the New Testament, we're, we're told a story about the potter's field. And if you remember that Judas Iscariot, when he betrayed Christ, he did it for 30 pieces of silver. And he took that, those 30 pieces, and when he realized what he had done and, and what he had caused, he went back to those religious leaders, and he basically threw that money back at them and said, Look, I, I can't have this on me. This is blood money. You know, you take it. It was someone innocent died because of this. I don't want this money. And he left it there with them, and we all know what happened to Judas after that. Uh, but those religious leaders are like, well, we can't put this back into, you know, the, the church money because it's blood money. It was used for something bad, and we can't put it there. So what they decided to do was they bought the potter's field, and they bought it so the poor could be buried there. And what that goes to show us is the blood of Christ bought and paid for the broken people that are in the potter's field. So if you don't have value here on earth, maybe because you're so broken, that's not true in God's eyes. You were bought and paid for by the blood of Christ. So, Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 